salespeople waking up to the fact that they don't necessarily have to work for that organization. Okay. Um, I woke up to this fact October 2019 after that company let me go. I just did the pulling out the old playbook, dust off my resume. Okay. Started, you know, applying for jobs, looking for directors and VP of sales and stuff like that. Went through some interviews, had some great interviews, and then just gobsmacked. It's like, I'm going to be walking right back into the same thing. everybody welcome back to another episode of it is what it is the best business tainment podcast on the market you know how you connect with me follow me on instagram at cvmk33 tiktok cvmk global youtube subscribe to the page below at cv space k and you know what i'm going to say we're the best pre-workouts protein vegan proteins bcaa sports Supplements and drifts at www.cvmkglobal.store. I have one with me right now, Superpower, uh, which is an amazing, amazing pre-workout. And just, you got to support the business. You got to check it out. Let me know your thoughts. But we have an amazing guest who's really going to just talk to us about the world of sales, everything that they're doing, everything that needs to be done. We're going to go there. Uh, and with that being said, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Cody. I am happy to be here. It is another day in paradise. That's it. I like to hear that. Um, Scott, before we get into it, I want the audience to know a little bit about you uh, so they get a feel of who you are. And then I'm going to hit you with these questions. But let us know kind of, you know, who are you? What are you about? Right. Okay. So a little bit of background about me then. Um, uh, Really, I started off as a collegiate athlete. And I went to Texas A&M University on a track and field scholarship. I was a discus thrower, and all I ever wanted to be was an Olympian. And when that did not really happen for me, then I figured, you know what? I'm going to coach Olympians. I'm going to be a collegiate coach. And coming out in or after graduating in 1994, I'm a little bit old. I'm pre pre 2000. Okay, so. Coming out in 1994, um, I was looking for a coaching position. I knew I could not do it at the high school level. My dad was a high school coach, and he has like just these unexhaustible patience. And I just knew that if I got into high school coaching, I'd probably strangle somebody or or hurt them real bad and end up in jail. Okay, so I, I, I was like, okay, I'm going collegiate. I got to do it collegiately. I just don't have the patience for the high school, middle school thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen. And so even though I had some of the best references and put out like 80, 90 resume, uh, you know, applications to different schools all over the U.S., nobody, not one person even replied to me, even to say thanks, but no thanks. So I had to put my degree to work and my degree was finance. I was, you know, I wanted to, uh, as, as a, you know, going to be a coach, I knew I wasn't going to make much money. And so I wanted to learn how to make my money work for me. And so I became a stockbroker here in Houston. And, um, you know, I've been in sales ever since I got out of the finance world about 2001 after the uh, 
the internet bubble blew up and I started taking my sales skills into corporate America, started working with large organizations, started working with small organizations, did greenfield type of business development, you know, opening up new markets for companies. Um, and now I consult. Now I consult with small and mid-sized businesses how to optimize and grow their sales departments and their selling functions. So that's me in a nutshell. I like that. That has opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> and I, I, I really, because your story is almost mirroring mine. Uh, okay. before, we get in, you know, before we get into it, we have just a quick word from our sponsors. There's a hero in all of us waiting to be unleashed. All it takes is just that one last push. Activate the hero within with CBMK Global Supplements. All natural, steroid-free, designed to enhance performance, build muscle, and increase energy. You are unstoppable. You can do this. Become your own hero at www.cbmkglobal.store. Awesome, man. We're back. So you know what it is, www.cbmkglobal.store. Look, so listening to your story, you went from disappointment, basically. You know, you had all these aspirations, um, and then you also had this educational component, and then you kind of ended up in sales. Very similar to my story. I think I had one trajectory, uh, but it just seemed like everything that I wanted to do just didn't come to pass. And then I found myself up. I found myself in a in a, uh, a loan equity company and I was on the phone smiling and dialing. And now I'm here. Right? Hey, so, you know, it, it, it's weird kind of how opposition can create the path forward. My question is, you know, with all your experiences, how did you stay in it and it not create any, and maybe I'm assuming too much, but how did you stay in it with a positive attitude? Well, you know, being an athlete, yeah. uh, there's the constant experience of failure, constant experience of failure. And I, I don't care who you are, what level of, uh, you know, what level of uh, uh, professionalism you are. You, you have to learn to deal with failure regardless. If failure is going to stop you in athletics, it's going to be a short career. I mean, look at Michael Jordan. Look at his story, right? It's just unbelievable. And so I, I had a lifetime of lessons there having to deal with failures uh, and having to overcome them and then having to just move on, put them behind me and just move on. And so the way that I kept that positive attitude, quite honestly, I almost did not last my first 30 days in my stockbroker's role. I had to make 300 dials a day, talk to 30 people a day, close three deals a day, all to give to my senior broker while I was studying for my Series 7 exam. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. You know, I knew I could talk to people, but man, I hated trying to sell people stuff on the phone. It was the worst experience of my life up to that point in time. And then I found a book, one single book changed the entire trajectory. And I still remember it. I still got it in my bookcase over there. It is uh, Prospecting Your Way to Sales Success by Bill Good. It was originally written in like 1985 or 1987, I think. And it flipped everything, changed the entire trajectory. I was trying to sell everybody. I was trying to convince everybody I talked to that they needed to do business with me when really I really needed to flip the script on that and just find the people who were interested, disqualify the 90% who would never do business with me anyways, and just find the 10% who said, yeah, hey, you know what? 
I'm kind of interested in what you have to say. Tell me a little bit more about it. And those were the people to spend my, you know, my energy, my physical energy and my emotional energy on, you know, that was the trick early on in my career. And what, I mean, it, by just by the grace of God, right? I found that book. I found it in an Amazon when they had the original bookstores walking through it and uh, it changed everything. I like that. Um, I, I think professional development is so needed. Uh, I know earlier in my career and even now, and like I just finished Legendary by Tommy Breedlove, um, oh, yeah. an executive coach, uh, coaches, yeah. CEOs, and really, you know, the focus on organizational development and really how to bring out the best inner qualities of a, of a human being. Uh, I've read almost everything by Jeff Blunt because, <laughs> you know, I wanted to be successful, right? Like I wanted to figure this out right. in selling, right. you know, you name the methodology. I've I'm, I'm yep. to do some type of investigative uh, uh, research on and really, you know, implement that in my repertoire. But the, the frustration that you hit upon it is that we all had to cut our teeth, right? Like you mentioned the 300 yep. calls a day. I remember it was a standard. Like you couldn't leave unless you had a hundred calls, uh, a couple loans, not just applications, but actually executed, coming to signing, receiving the, you know, deliverable and the frustration of this constant day in, day out grind to get somebody to say yes that was the agonizing thing. I mean, the, the right. joy in completing something was reward enough. Mm -hmm. But the frustration to find that one person, you know, that one human being that was like, you know what, I'll do it. You know, and you not get cussed out in the process. You know, so that yeah. was the most agonizing part of sales. And this is where I had to drive it. Do you think, and this is where I think the conversation is going to go up a notch. There is an appreciation for sales professionals like do you honestly think i mean you know the truth like you know the yeah. grind to really authentically prospect is there a true appreciation for a hunter uh by certain people i would say in general no okay Pe uh, in general i think let's say society at large the business world at large you know they they believe the hunter is just born with it that it's, you know that's just their skill that's just they're good at that that's what they do and you know they they're overpaid anyways for what they do and i think that the real appreciation comes from those people who tried to be the hunter who tried to learn that skill set and that's something that we're doing now even inside of our own organization is we're training people to learn that sales hunting skill and they think well okay well just give me the leads when i call them i said no that's not how a hunter works no. you find your own leads mm -hmm. but let me show you a little place some places where you can get it and here's how you make a script and then here's how you start executing that script and here's how you rinse repeat you know wash rinse repeat right day in day out this is how you do it it's not given to you Nothing's given to the true hunter. You got to go out and find it and right. kill it. And then you get to eat it. Right. Yeah. I know. I, I totally agree. I, I think that, and I agree with you, there's a false narrative that you can just train anybody to do this, that, you know, we're a dime a dozen, we're a cog and a wheel. And, you know, you can just tell somebody, you know, teach them how to sell, teach them how to have the, the integrity, right. the personality, the in-depth research. Uh, that really goes into prospecting the long hours, the early mornings, the late evenings. And the reality is you can create a blueprint, but if it doesn't align with the person's inner values, it does not matter. You are either born a hunter or you're not. Nobody can teach you how to work hard. You know, like either you want, either you want to work hard and you want to you want to be the best, or you're gonna be like, eh, you know, please, you know. So you talked about you know you're in in your organization, you're trying to create this culture. So how do, how do you do that? Like, how does 
how can you identify if somebody really has it or not? Well, um, first of all, I, I, I come from the premise that I will hire for character and train for skill. Okay, I want I want to hire, uh, you know, will do people. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, I don't I don't care too much for the can do. The can do means you know, hey, I'm skilled. I can, I'm capable. Okay, that's fine. I can find a lot of capable people, but if you're not willing to do what needs to be done to accomplish the goal, to to you know, uh, be a part of the team, then that's of no use to the team. So I come from that premise. I want I want will do people number one, and I use assessments to try to get that. And really, even our recruiting, our our screening process is nothing but will do type of hurdles. You know, I put everything. I don't try to attract. Um, I don't try to attract candidates. The candidates, as they go through the process, they have to make the steps. And if they don't make the steps, then it's they're very simple steps and not very you know complicated steps. Then they're not you know will do kind of people. You know that work ethic again. You can't teach that. Um, you, it can be learned. And I've, and I've got I've got two sons. I've got both of whom I love tremendously. Right. I've got my older son who's got a lot of talent. He's, he's very artistic, you know, the, I guess that's left brain side. Right. And, you know, he's, he's also uh, ADD and, you know, I never really understood that. And I, I really had to work to try to understand, well, how come you can't just focus. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's the kind that, that um, very talented in all the sports and in everything that he did, but he just didn't really have the uh, drive and desire, the will, you know, that will do, for it. Now, my younger son, on the other hand, I mean, that guy's a grinder. He learned to grind and he grinds and he grinds and he has no problem with the grind. And there's there's a great story brewing out of him in the next year or so. They're both at Texas A&M University. I did not make any, they, they did that on their own accord, not, not because of me. But, um, you know, it just shows how even two two children from the same parents, you know, can be even a little bit different. So there, there is something to being born with that work ethic because believe me, I, I've done my, my best that I could to you know, work at it, work at it, work at it, teach that work ethic. But at some point, it, some people, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what we look for. We want to look for that work ethic. We want, we want to look for the will-do people. I like that. Looking for the will-do people. Um, I, I really appreciate that story. Congratulations on also, you know your son's being a Texas a and I know that's huge. Um, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I, I look at my I student loans. And I said, "Oh God," you know. Yeah. So that just went to a small Catholic university. So you know, but uh, when we talk about those will do people, right? Yeah. Um, organizations. I wonder is there is there a true and not you know I. And this is very general, but are the systems in place to create a shift in the sales workforce? Like, is it really a a focus on like, okay, once you identify the will do, right? Like this person, you know, they have all the intangibles, right? Uh, Forget the skills that they just have the character, the depth, the the like, they they just have all the intangibles to really be a will do a leader out there and a generator of just activity and production. Um, what stops an organization, in your opinion, from getting the will do's to shift to uh, do what you will? I mean, not do what you will, but like you know, status right. quo, right? Yeah, like hiring can do, you know, the capabilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
that's where they I believe that's mm -hmm. where they start relying on the resume and you know that that past experience way too much now I'll, I'll look at a person's resume and see okay what's their relevant experience but the relevant experience really has little indication on how well they would operate in this role or in this particular role um, some organizations truly rely on that. And I mean, I remember going back to the day again, um, our business model at the stock brokerage firm I worked at was the 80% turnover revolving door. Put them through the grinder. 80% of our people were going to turn over every six months. And we just had to recruit and recruit and recruit. And then, you know, but that, that you know, that's a waste of human capital. So I've seen it, generally speaking, organizations are trying to get better at it. There are few who are truly uh, incredible at it. Amazon, AWS has one of the most rigorous, uh, you know, recruiting uh, onboarding processes that I've ever heard of. And I've got friends who work over at AWS and what they had to go through is like a nine month interview process. And, you know, all it's just, I was like, man, that's amazing. And that's what they're doing. They're testing your resolve. Do you really want to be a part of this team? This is what we're about. This is our team. Do you really want to be a part of it? Because once you're on it, you know, we're going to do everything that we can to make you successful. And, and so that, that they're the gold standard, I believe. Uh, from every from anything that I've heard, and there there are others that that do uh, nearly as well. You know the sales forces, the Microsofts, um, a lot of those now younger organizations, smaller organizations are having a hard time with this because they just think, oh, put out a resume, hire some people, find some people who have capabilities on their resume. Let's see if we like them, and then you know then we'll let them on the bus, and we'll give them their seat on the bus. And, and they're kind of missing the the underlying that you know if you're going to hire salespeople, what are salespeople great at? Selling. And they're, they're best at selling themselves. So especially when trying to hire salespeople, you've got to be, you got to have a pretty good, you know, BS detector. You got to be able to smell it pretty quick and be able to call people on it. No, I, I agree. I think that, you know, there are plenty of examples of organizations that are evolving, you know, rapidly with the times, right? They get it. They're making the proper pivots and adjustments. Uh, some of your startups are a bit more uh, quicker because they're not dealing with a lot to, you know, like I say, it's harder to you know, steer Titanic than it is a speedboat. Right. So, oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's, you know, that's that's kind of what goes into it. Um, I also think that because when you start uh, growing and you start trying to figure out things because there's not a true understanding of what goes into the process. And this is, you know, where obviously we'll take the shift here uh, when it talks about the process of it all, right? Building a healthy funnel. The turnoff of the 80% churn, I think is two-folded, eight or three-folded. I'll say the first one is willingness to go through the hard, arduous work, right? Willingness to put yourself through the grind, mm -hmm. to go through all the highs and lows and to still bring your best foot forward every single day and, and you know, and not cheat the system, not, you know, do that. That's one part of it. I think the second part of it is that this, the profession is not valued and it shows up numerically. Mm. You know, so it's like, yeah. when you think like, well, well, you know, why are we here? You know, we start comparing and, and, and everybody can make a case and it's not an issue of necessarily salary, salary requirements, but it is an issue of do you understand what it really takes to get the person that you're looking for? Right. Like if you want to yeah. hire Michael Jordan, 
that's fine. You know, you can get a mic, but you gotta understand what comes with Michael Jordan. And you gotta pay Mike, right? Like you can't just get Mike and be like, I'm gonna give him Scotty Pippen salary. You know, like it doesn't. No, no, just to Scotty. I like so Scotty. I don't want you to come at me, man. I, I, you were underpaid your whole time as, as a bull, so no this. But I'm just saying, like, you just gotta understand what it takes to really have that type of talent, you know, in your wheelhouse. But I think the the third thing, and this is where the strategy comes into it, is a lot of times there is an, uh, uh, a lack of awareness on the proper steps, the tools, building a healthy funnel. Because mm-hmm. any true hunter will never give you all our secrets because it takes too long. What's up? I'm super pumped. Just got done with another workout. It's your boy, CBMK33, connect me on Instagram. And on the business page of CBMK underscore global, you know I get through it. You know I get that pump look. <laughs> Best pre-workout on the market, www.seasonkglobal.store. That's right. To develop this, um, you know, brand, this trust factor in the environment. You know, I can't just give you my book of business or my, you know, my business cards because, you know, it took me forever to get this. You know, yeah, but there are yeah. things that every hunter has to do to maintain and to grow. Yeah. If you just, you know, and obviously you don't want to give all your trade secrets away, but if you could just give us a couple things that every hunter should have in their bag? Well, first of all, I would say uh, the very first necessity to keep that healthy funnel is the, the, the mindset, the belief, and, and the practice that it's an everyday thing. Yeah. You, don't just, you don't just put some stuff in it you know, once a week or once a month or, hey, oh, it's getting a little low. I better put some more in there. It's an everyday thing. So that's if there's a, if there's a secret <laughs> that I will give away for free, it is schedule your prospecting time, your hunting time, whatever your hunting is, schedule it, schedule it like you would a workout, mm-hmm. schedule it like you know you would uh, any other thing that's important. You know, um, I uh, I still coach youth athletics, and you know I tell them I, I I tell these these track athletes that I coach on a regular basis, and I tell this the same thing that I tell that my salespeople is that. If it's important, you do it every day, every day. And as you build that habit, you know, it'll, it'll get better. It'll get easier and you'll get more and more and more of it. It's like, a, it's, um, it's one of those laws of physics, you know, uh, a body at rest will stay at rest. A, you know, a body in motion will stay in motion. Well, it's, it's, it's total momentum. And when you, you put so much energy into that hunting, into that prospecting, into getting the leads, into closing them, you put so much energy to get that momentum going that young, uh, untrained, inexperienced salespeople, the moment they feel that momentum going forward, it's like, oh, I feel some success, they'll, they'll lay off. And they won't realize this. I, I learned this one the hard way is that when you feel that momentum going, you keep going, so you hard. keep going, you keep pushing yeah. because you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen with the economy tomorrow, next week or next month or next year. And you get it while you can, you know, make hay while the sunshine, right? Get it while you can, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No, that's that's real talk. As we would say in Chicago, that is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> hey guys, no, because the reality is, once you figure out, okay, you got one right. It's really easy to rest on your laurels because somehow you convinced yourself, like, oh, I have this. But yeah. there were so many different steps that was involved that if you don't get back to the effort, 
you'll go three, six, seven months without another deal. And it's really easy to do that because you took your foot off the gas. Like you can't once. Yeah. Okay. Once you pass up the other car, you got to press harder because it's, it's a weird tango. And I say the thing about sales is as it is a marathon, it's a track meet too. Right. And yeah. you got to be both fast and have endurance, you know, and that, and that's hard, you know, because it's either either or in life. But if you're going to stay in it, you know, you got to find the right balance. So when we talk about finding the right balance, you know, I always say what destroys any great team is the challenges that come from within. You know, it's never oh, yeah. it's never a competitor. You know, I, I, I like to say if you work for a good organization, you know, you can stay there. The brand is strong. You know, you will always be in business in some way, shape, or form. What uh-huh. breaks up, you know, internal chemistry is always these internal factors. So culture yeah. matters, right? You don't want to have a bunch of type A personalities to the point they don't trust each other. Now there's a lot of right. you know, toxic activity. Yeah. How do you prevent toxicity in a sales culture? Well, that is uh, that, that that is the uh, sixty million dollar question, um, and very few people have figured that one out. But I I come from the premise number one, you know, culture is character. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the character of the organization, and you know, there's there's a saying I learned a number of years ago is that the character of the kingdom emanates from the king, and so uh, if there's ever a problem in culture. It is the leader's fault, you know, 100% because they've allowed something to happen. Maybe they didn't stop this. They didn't stop that. Um, But from the leader's standpoint, the first thing that I just find it, you know, incredibly important to do is to lay a foundation of openness and transparency. I've worked in organizations where, and I have client organizations where they will not, they will not uh, discuss, you know, organizational goals with the people who are responsible for, for, for accomplishing them, you know, that somehow that if we, if we share with them, you know, why we want to achieve X, Y, and Z, that they'll get upset or they think they weren't included or they won't really buy in. So we're just going to tell them what to do and not really get into the reasons why these are important. Um, once you have a leadership team acting that way, then it is almost it is almost certain it's going to be siloed. People are going to get into their little clicks. You know, well, I heard I heard this leader say that. Well, I heard that later say this. You know, and and it's it's going to just start fa- falling apart. And in all candor, the last company at which I was an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, which was very big on, uh, um, you know, an anti-toxic culture, fell into that trap. They brought the wrong person onto their bus. They they fired one president, president who had hired me a couple of years previous to that to build their B two B sales team, mm-hmm. and because he it was a small family, smaller family owned organization. They fired him because you know the family didn't get along with him. He was kind of ambitious in his goals, mm-hmm. and they brought in somebody that had worked there previously, who was a friend of the family, who they felt they could trust, who they thought understood them, but she was the most divisive, secretive person I have ever met. And she was, she was just, um, she basically, whether she did it on purpose or not, started segmenting people and, and basically putting them at each other's throats and, and afraid to talk about anything. 
and, and me, I, you know, I'm, I'm very blunt. I'm very candid. And mm -hmm. I find it, I find it hard to hold my tongue more often than not. And I, you know, one day I, I called her out and I said, look, you got to stop doing this. This is ridiculous. We're all in this thing together trying to accomplish a big goal. And you know what? You, you're telling this group something, you're telling this group something else. And now they're competing against each other and they're kind of, you know, falling at each other's throats. And, you know, the following week I was fired. <laughs> so and the funny thing is, you know, a few of them, my, my whole department was fired after that uh, within the week or two after that. Um, and then, uh, about four months after that, she was fired because the, the, the organization finally saw for what it was. And it's like, I, I told them on the way out the door, I said, look, this is what's happening. This is what, you know, you got to take care of this problem because if you don't, people are going to leave. And, you know, the, 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 the biggest problem was not really her. It was the CEO. The CEO who knew what was happening, allowed it to happen, and basically played played the ignorance card. Of, well, what are you talking about? I have no clue what's going on. How, how can you be sure that that's going? <laughs> All right, look, this is your company. It's a family company. That's fine. You're gonna let somebody destroy it. That's up to you. But you know, a lot of good people left that organization. It comes. The, the, just remember, the the character of the kingdom emanates from the king. The character of the kingdom emanates from the king. So that's going to lead me to my last question. So all that, you know, being true, I I have similar stories. It's, it's weird. It's like talking to myself. Um, because of what you've experienced and what you know, right, what is the future of sales? And, and the reason why I asked that question is because Let's say your story is more common than what it should be. And maybe that's safe to say. Let's say it's really boils down to culture because people work for people. It doesn't matter. People work for people, right? True. Very oh, so true. Yeah. And if that being true, and then you have this churn effect and you're losing great talent out there because of these unwanted, undesirable experiences that are just kind of common, what is there for the future of sales? Hmm. Well, I think that's really a two-part answer. Okay. Um, in the near term, this is this this is something that we're really seeing right now. Uh, is is salespeople waking up to the fact that they don't necessarily have to work for that organization? Okay, um, I woke up to this fact October 2019 after that company let me go. I just did the pulling out the old playbook, dust off my resume. Okay. Start, you know, applying for jobs, looking for directors and VP of sales and stuff like that. Went through some interviews, had some great interviews. And then it just gobsmacked. It's like, I'm going to be walking right back into the same thing. Why do I want to do that? And that's when I became, that's what, that's when I became independent, started this consulting firm. And what we have seen, especially coming out of the pandemic there's still some reluctance to get back into the office. Um, and up until the last couple of months, that reluctance was basically manifest in, in professionals dictating, being more stringent in dictating the terms under which they would go to work for any company. Say, look, I've got skills. I can do this. I, can, I know I can generate revenue. I don't have to show up in an office. I can do it from my home. I can do it virtually from anywhere. So, you know, either you're going to pay me 
this big salary to come into the office, or you'll give me the freedom and flexibility and you pay me this salary and, and give me the commissions. So I see a lot more of a flexible sales force in the near term. And I, I think that's probably over the next couple of years. It really just depends on um, how this recession starts to play out. Yeah. You know, if, if, too, if it gets too harsh, too deep, then I think that, you know, the, that'll be a push back against this, you know, sales as a service, flexible sales kind of thing. But the trend will continue the more that, um, you know, the younger workforce who knows their value and who knows that they can do it anywhere uh, wants that freedom. And so I see that for, you know, a three to five year trend, some kind of flexible sales force. Now, if that starts turning into, you know, a, an Uber type of economy for sales where, you know, um, if Web 3.0 and the NFT and, you know, all of our work becomes an NFT product starts, you know, happening over, you know, five to eight years out. I don't know. But I do believe this. I believe that salespeople now will be more independent hired guns mm-hmm. that are are used flexibly for multiple organizations. Yep. You know, you may be selling four or five different products or four or five different companies because they allow you to do it from your home. And maybe it's all commission, or maybe they give you a little bit of a stipend or something like that. There's going to be a lot more of that. So companies are going to have to get used to using a flexible sales force and be set up for it and be able to uh, be comfortable with that. So I, that I think that that's on the horizon in about, you know, three to five year window. Scott, you're a prophet. Uh, I've always said that. I said, look, look. I like profit. That's it. I like it. Uh, F-I-T and P-H-E-T. Uh, and what I mean by that, I, I said, if, we're not, if the thing doesn't shift correctly, the mercenary route is going to be a real thing. Like, hey, I'm a higher gun. You know, you bring me in for a project. You know, here's the flat rate plus. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw that. Okay. I saw this happening for some of my customers back in 2008, 2012. Oil and gas. I'm in Houston. Oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, it was the great uh, the great resignation or the great shift change. That's what they called it. Yeah. You know, the, all, the, all the baby boomers are going to retire. And then, of course, you know, the financial crisis and they had to come back. But what I what I was witnessing were these highly specialized engineers and other trades craftsmen who were retiring. And because they took this this expertise with them out the door, the company was like, well, I'll use an example, a a soils engineer who um, was uh, their only job was to test the soil at the bottom of the ocean where all those drilling equipment goes. Right. Mm -hmm. He walks out the door of a company. He was, you know, a $90,000 a year guy with stock options. He walks out the door of the company. The company no longer has, knows how to do it. Like, how we got to find somebody like this. They hired him back as a consultant for like $3,000 a day. So that is the model. It will happen because it has happened before. And I'm already seeing um, and bringing on board some very experienced salespeople who like, hey, look, I already rep this product. And I already rep this. Tell me about what you do, Scott, because, you know, that sounds very interesting. I was like, well, here's what we do and here's how it pays. And, yeah, it's commission only. They're like, okay, yeah, that's something I want to work into my, you know, into my little, uh, uh, you know, utility belt of of things to sell. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be more of that, more of it. Hmm. Pay attention. This is this is a truth, something that is a real possibility um, the thing about disruption is disruption ultimately disrupts, right? Yeah. So if, 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 if the pivot does not happen correctly, 
the mercenary route is a real reality yep. for a lot yep. of the hunters will hunt for themselves using other people's weapons. The hunters will hunt for themselves using other people's weapons. I like that. I don't want to end on that quote. Scott, if they wanted to reach out to you, connect with you, say, look, I want to bring you in. I want to bring your team in. How can they get in touch with you? Best way is to go to my website, paulsoncoaching.com. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N coaching.com. Got a, got a button right there right on the front of the page. says book a call, contact us. You'll get right through. Y'all connect with him. Connect with Scott Paulsoncoaching.com. Hit him up. Solicit. Go to the website. Schedule the time to meet because you want your organization to grow. You want the right individuals. You want real yep. hunters. Remember, they will utilize your own weapons and hunt for themselves. That's right. want that to happen. So Paulsoncoaching.com. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank everybody out there who's listening. Remember, connect with me. YouTube, uh, CV Space Case. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's on Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, where all the podcasts are heard. Obviously, go to www.cvnkglobal.store, Instagram, cvnk33, and cvnk underscore global. Until next time, guys. Thanks.